This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. This BFM budget 2024 special is brought to you by Marsing. BFM 89.9, good afternoon and welcome to Enterprise BizBytes. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it is October the 13th. It's a Friday. It is in fact D-Day, or should we say um, B-Day, budget day here uh, here in Malaysia. We're just hours away from Malaysia's 2024 budget being tabled in Parliament, the second budget from the Unity Government, which I'm sure has many people at the edge of their seats to see what's in store today. Uh, this will be made by the Prime Minister, Dr. Sri Anwar Ibrahim, later today. I think it starts at 4 p.m. And uh, for now on BizBytes though, we'll be turning our sights to SMEs and what they're looking forward to or what they want to see in the upcoming budget. Among other things we saw in the last budget were included a reduce of the tax rate for taxable income uh, from 17% to 15% on the first 150,000 ringgit. This was noted to have benefited 150,000 micro SME taxpayers. Uh, in addition to that, we also saw digitalization of S- uh, micro SMEs was emphasized with the introduction of various financing funds and incentives. But what else, I guess, are micro SMEs and SMEs looking for uh, that uh, on their wish list and what will help them in the coming uh, maybe more challenging economic environment? Uh, we'll be speaking today with uh, Dr. William Ng. He's the National President for the Small and Medium Enterprises Association of Malaysia, more commonly known as Samantha. He's in the studio with us. If you have any thoughts, let us know over on WhatsApp or our mobile number that's 018-789-8899. You can also reach us on X at BFM Radio. Uh, Dr. thank you for joining us in the studio. The first time, uh, all this time has been virtual. You've joined us in the studio today. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me again on uh, BFM. Um, now, let's start with a little bit of the lay of the land here. Given the economic concerns, uh, particularly on the slowdown side of things, um, what are the key concerns or pain points that are being felt by SMEs in Malaysia today? I think fortunately, we have also done recently our own Samantha uh, mid-year survey. And I think the um, the result is actually very clear and uh, consistent what we believe in as well. Uh, an overwhelming number of uh, SMEs reported that actually did quite well uh, last year compared to the previous year, obviously because they started off from a low base. But what is also clear is that uh, the margin uh, has shrunk quite considerably for most SMEs. So if you ask me, uh, I think the major issue right now for many SMEs is no longer the, the challenge of uh, foreign workers as, as it was uh, right after the pandemic, uh, but it's re- not even about cash flow. It's really about the low margin uh, that many SMEs are facing today. Um, you can keep pushing sales up, but uh, if the margin continues to be low, mm. uh, it's going to make things very difficult for most SMEs. Now, uh, there are various uh, initiatives that, that have been that we saw in the last budget, and in this budget, I think uh, a few things you've said already to the press. And one of the things is uh, Samantha is urging uh, the government to provide an additional two percent tax reduction, but this time for the uh, first three hundred thousand of taxable income instead of the first hundred fifty thousand, which we saw in the previous budget. Uh, tell us a little bit about the rationale behind this. Uh, in our mind, I think uh, instead of uh, giving um, most SMEs a direct grant, it'd be a lot easier to reward SMEs who are doing well and uh, contributing uh, to the government um, um, by reducing uh, 
uh, the amount of uh, tax that we collect from them. Um, so I think it worked last year. Uh, it was 150,000. So this year, we are hoping that the government continue doubling it. I think on top of uh, allowing these funds to be in rechannel into business development, growing the business, and then uh, therefore uh, enlarging the tax base uh, to begin with, uh, to me, what is more important is an indication uh, from the government to the SMEs that uh, we are still very much uh, valued, we are still very much loved by the government. I think that's crucial. Uh, many SMEs we talk to are hesitating think about growth. Now, some are saying, look, I want to grow into neighboring markets. I want to expand my product line. But I probably don't want to do so because the margin is getting tighter. So the more I expand, the more I pay tax. And uh, at the end of the day, you know, what I get net is just about the same. So why push through the effort? I think by the government saying that, look, any incremental revenue that you get, or rather any in incremental uh, taxable income that you get are going to get a reduced um, uh, taxation for, in this case, our proposed uh, 300, 000, first 300,000 uh, taxable income uh, is, is a signal to the SMEs that, look, uh, please grow. Uh, we are here for you. And if you do grow, we are going to support you all the way. How much of a stimulus does this, uh, do you expect to, this to really provide to the ecosystem? I think it is not just, as I've said, not just about um, the money going back uh, to the company, to paying a bit more to the staff, to expanding the business, but really it's about building confidence uh, for them to keep growing their business. Um, we understand that Samantha would also like to see initiatives to help SMEs increase their capacity uh, to supply international companies through uh, business matching and capacity building programs. Um, why this focus and how would you like to see this implemented? I think I think uh, for the bulk of uh, uh, the SMEs, in fact, many SMEs, um, s supplying to the MNCs is a bread and butter. And we've been saying for a long time that we need to uh, further incorporate this into one of the key uh, criteria for us to be um, giving these incentives to the MNCs who are coming in. So we're pushing for uh, not only closer ties to the MNCs who are present here in Malaysia, but also looking at what other ways can we uh, take what we have and to have these MNCs perhaps uh, help to bring uh, these products and uh, these things that we're creating in Malaysia uh, throughout the entire uh, supply chain globally. Uh, give an example. Uh, we, we have been uh, basically throwing the red carpet uh, for Tesla. And they're coming in, uh, you know, we are, we're giving them everything that they ask for. Uh, so the question really is in, in two years' time, three years' time, five years' time, uh, how, how much of what they are doing comes from Malaysia? Uh, not just uh, for the production or assembly uh, facilities in Malaysia, but globally. So there's something that we really need to, to, to do. And you know, that's what we are calling for, uh, that there should be deeper uh, cooperation with the MNCs who are here, um, better capability building and capacity building programs to enable our SMEs who are currently not supplying to the MNCs to build a capability so they can eventually supply to MNCs. And at the same time, to the government to say, look, this is one of the criteria for us to, to, you know, to award you the incentive that we are awarding. Um, any, uh, could you give us a sense of what these initiatives could look like uh, in implementation? We've already been working with uh, agencies like MIDA, for example, uh, in, in, in Penang, to we see some of the larger um, E&E boys, uh, and, and we bring along uh, many of the SMEs who are, who are, who are you know, supplying to them or not currently supplying to them, uh, and pushing them to actually look into uh, getting their products, uh, getting the services, getting, you know, whatever they need uh, from these SMEs. So that is one example of what we're doing. Um, but a lot more can be done um, at, at every uh, phase of the supply chain. Now, um, on the digitalization front, SME Association Malaysia's VP told the Malaysian Reserve that the government could offer incentives to encourage SMEs to invest in digital technologies to boost productivity. Uh, before we get into some of the measures here, give us a sense of the gap here. Because digitalization is something that maybe we take for granted. How much is, uh, is, is the digitalization, digitalization gap still very material? I think the pandemic has helped a lot. Uh, we saw a huge surge in digitalization among the SMEs. 
uh, huge acceptance among the SMEs, uh, which is why, you know, and, and to me, one of the pillars is really a very simple thing like um, uh, accepting e-wallet, which mm. is why uh, we were a little bit upset when recently, if you remember, uh, Paynet was, um, was thinking about, you know, charging um, the SME merchants uh, a certain fee to accept uh, Paynet. Because to us, that is what we have been um, been calling for all along, for the SMEs to to get digitalized. And you don't have to um, digitalize an entire operations overnight. You know, you take one step at a time. But more importantly, we are seeing a huge leap uh, from from where were we uh, pre-pandemic. So what are the areas that require maybe a little more focus now? Because payment tra- transaction side is only one part of that equation. I think the entire um, uh, value chain has to be digitalized e- eventually. And that is one of the challenges that we're trying to address. Um, the government has been very supportive. Uh, there's a digital matching grant, uh, as uh, many uh, many of us are aware of. Uh, but we are, we are seeing that uh, two things must be done. Uh, one is that uh, perhaps we can increase the quantum of the grant, or the, rather the matching grant, um, um, uh, slightly to enable a bigger ticket um, digitalization effort uh, to take off. And secondly, we are proposing um, that certain uh, intervention or certain hand-holding be done prior mm-hmm. to this grant being released um, because many SMEs do not know what they what they need. So uh, what has happened uh, with that particular uh, digitalization grant is that it's very much vendor-driven. Obviously, when a vendor come to you, they want to sell what they have uh, rather than what the SMEs need. So we want to try and match that now. Yeah, because I'm presuming that uh, for vendors, is that okay? Now SMEs have this much money to spend yes. on digitalization tools. Yeah. Let me just try and sell them as a target market. But for the SME, maybe they're not buying what they actually need Correct. for their business. Correct. Um, so we have the matching grant, the last one. You want to maybe see that maybe expand a little bit. Is there anything else you want to see on the digitalization front uh, in this budget? Yeah, I think our our uh, core is really for more to be done uh, to push for automation. Uh, I think that that's what the whole industry is doing. But what we defer really is that instead of outright grant, what we are trying to push is for um, for the grant to be to 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 move towards um, uh, either core financing um, through lower interest rate and so on, or uh, simply matching grant, so that the onus on uh, on automation on digitalization falls back to the SMEs themselves. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, in a bit, uh, the grant leakage, uh, so-called grant leakage, as well as maybe some of the things we want to see from the ESG front, uh, among other things. Uh, folks, I've been speaking with Dr. William Ng. He's the National President of the Small and Medium Enterprises Association of Malaysia. That's Samantha. We've been talking about what uh, SMEs want to see from Budget 2024, which will be tabled later to day. Uh, we'll be back in just a bit. I'm Roshan Kinesin. I keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Beyond frivolous mishmash, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, welcome back to Enterprise BizBytes. I'm Roshan Kinesin, and this afternoon I've been speaking with Dr. William Ng. He's the National President of the Small and Medium Enterprises Association of Malaysia, more commonly known as Samantha. And we've been talking about what SMEs want to see in Budget 2024. Uh, Dr. Earlier, we were talking a little bit about um, grants, essentially. And this is something you've said off and on through the year, If I've, uh, based on the reading I've done. Uh, you've talked about grant leakage or, or grant, grantpreneurs as something to eliminate by changing how the government assists SMEs, uh, which includes uh, changing direct grants to ma- matching grants or focusing on low-interest loans to encourage SMEs to be, I guess, more self-sustaining and independent. What I guess what challenges can we anticipate if these adjustments are not made in the longer term? What are your concerns here? I think this is a very difficult um, topic um, simply because even our own members, many of them would, of course, rather have the grants continue. I mean, it's free money. Who doesn't want, right? 
Um, but in my mind and in the mind of the association, this is not something that is sustainable. We cannot keep on um, growing SMEs and expect them to be independent, expect them to be, have the capability to be the best in the world if uh, all we do is just um, uh, give them money. So there has to be a migration of uh, the way we actually manage the fund and intervention for SMEs uh, from direct grants. Uh, and the government is already doing that, right? From direct grants, now we see a lot more matching grants. And moving forward, is really about uh, helping them in, in terms of... Uh, uh, soft loans and uh, loan uh, guarantee. I think these are the direction that uh, the government absolutely have to adopt. Otherwise, uh, like I've been saying for a long time, uh, you get a, a lot of SMEs or some SMEs who actually are built uh, simply for the for the purpose of getting grants and we call them grant pronos. We also want to eliminate uh, that possibility. Plus, uh, we, we want to also remove a middleman that has been, uh, has been around for, for as long as grants has been around. Yeah, because I know in the a uh, few months back, I spoke to Bank Sepanan National. They had a billion ringgit from the last budget to uh, disperse to different segments of SMEs or micro SMEs in particular. And the financing was 4% uh, on the loan, which is very low. very low considering the fact that most of it, you talk about 1.5% a month or 18% annualized. Um, then also we had SJPP, which was also, I think, the guarantee scheme coming Correct. in. So these are things we're starting to see. So hopefully we see a bigger emphasis on it going forward. You've also mentioned that you uh, hope that the government will make it compulsory for businesses to register with entities like CCM, the Companies Commission of Malaysia, or Malaysia External Trade Development Corporation, or even SME Corp for that matter. Um, why, uh, do you, why do you want to see this emphasis? I think if we are going to be migrating from a direct grant base uh, to one that is based on data, based on matching grant, based on needs of the SMEs, and based on needs of the government, we absolutely need to collect as much data as possible. And the first step to do so is to ensure that uh, any and all SMEs who, who are set up uh, to just register. Of course, you must make sure that the registration uh, process is easy, uh, but they have to and should register with uh, all these agencies so that this agency can collect the data and see uh, where should the intervention go, right? I think that is what we are trying to say. Uh, SMEs currently facing challenges when trying to tap into these different support initiatives that we're seeing uh, from the government uh, because of maybe lack of registration, among other things? Yeah, I keep hearing uh, many SMEs uh, telling me that say that they try to apply for grants and, and soft loans and whatnot from, from various government agencies and uh, and implementation partners and not getting it. I think this is an ongoing issue. Uh, and when I talk to the government, it's, it's the other way around. The government says, look, you know, it's not that we don't have it. We have been transparent. Uh, everything has been disbursed uh, right on the first day and, uh, you know, that the, that the fund is launched. Uh, the issue here is, and that's precisely why we are trying to move away from grant. Uh, there's just not enough grant for everybody, uh, no matter how much you throw in. Uh, there's a limit. Even if you say I throw in a, a hundred million, uh, ring it for, for say an automation grant and you know, it's up to 500,000 uh, per SME. We're talking only about 200 SMEs. How many SMEs have we got? You know, every time we open up um, a grant for application, we have thousands and thousands of SMEs who want those grants and only 200 were entitled to it uh, because of the amount of the grant. So which is why it gives the wrong perception to the SMEs that these grants are not transparent. It gives the wrong perception that, this, that the grant is not enough because it is it's never enough to begin with, which is why we say let's take the sale of money and use it uh, more wisely so that more SMEs who are capable, who are able to do, stand their own, are able to tap into this intervention program from the government instead of just direct grant to a small number of people. And given your your perspective where you, you do talk to the government, but you're also talking to your members, um, I guess where is the, the key misunderstanding or maybe the, um, the different incentives, I guess, like, why are we? Why do SMEs feel like they they want the grants as opposed to the financing that ha, that is being made available? And um, instead, and where does where does the government feel like 
maybe SMEs are not doing enough, that they need to do a bit of work to get the facilities that are made available. Yeah, I think it is um, uh, it's an issue of history and 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 uh, how we begin giving grants uh. um, as, as a way to intervene and help the SMEs. And over the years, it became uh, an entitlement for some SMEs. Uh, I mean, I attended a recent uh, program launched by a government agency and a lady stood up and said she has been in business for 20 years and she's been applying for a grant every year. And she's saying that, you know, on the day itself, if she doesn't get a grant from the particular agency, she will not leave. I mean, we get that kind of comments from, uh, from SMEs and from our own members. So it's very hard to navigate um, the expectation versus uh, what is um, the SMEs really need. And we're trying to, to move that um, gradually. So it is not something that we can change overnight, but I think we start with a mindset change. Uh, we'll be going uh, out every day, uh, like today, you know, we are, we're talking to people and say, look, you know, we need to migrate away from pure grant-based intervention to something a little bit more uh, tangible. So is education, I guess, the key way that you want to see these support initiatives become more accessible to SMEs across uh, sectors and regions here in Malaysia? Correct. Education and the change of mindset. Uh, I think we really need to, to to get our SMEs to understand at the end of the day, uh, the government can step in, the government can help, but it is your business and you it ultimately is your responsibility to grow it. Now let's switch gears to ESG and sustainability. Um, any, are there any particular initiatives that you want to see in the budget to promote these practices uh, among SMEs, uh, including incentives for adopting environmentally friendly tech and practices? I think recently we saw a framework even come up from the SC uh, in terms of ways that SMEs can, uh, a guideline basically in terms of how- For the how, reporting. Yeah, for the reporting side of things. Yeah. When it comes to ESG and sustainability, what do SMEs need to, I guess, push them along the path? Yeah, I think three things we really need to do. Uh, one is that we are seeing a lot of uh, different government agencies, private bodies, um, coming up with different standards and different uh, framework for SMEs. This is very confusing, right? I'm not saying that we should not. Uh, and definitely for, uh, as far as we are concerned, we want to encourage SMEs to embark on a ESG journey as, as early as possible, regardless of the confusion out there. Uh, but the government just have to continue uh, the dialogue among the various agencies to ensure that, look, there's a consistent uh, single uh, framework that everybody can adopt. Uh, it's not easy, but we need to work towards that so uh, so we have less confusion. The second thing we really need to do is to is to help in terms of financing. Uh, the ESG, especially low-cost, trans, uh, uh, low-carbon transition is not cheap. Uh, we're talking about replacing some machines that are 20, 30 years old. We're talking about uh, re, 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 uh, restructuring entire plant, your entire process. Uh, this could cost millions of uh, of ring it, if at all. And I think um, uh, it is important that the government continue uh, to provide the funding necessary at low cost um, to the SMEs who want to do such transition. Having said that, uh, we already have the mechanism for that. Uh, we have the, uh, the low carbon transition fund uh, that is uh, that is severely underutilized. Mm-hmm. So we are telling the government, look, you know, um, we don't have to come up with anything new. Just take that particular fund and uh, loosen up or relax the, re- uh, the requirement a little bit so that uh, more SMEs can come in and take advantage of that uh, of that low uh, low interest loan. What are some of the hurdles to getting that uh, using that fund? Uh, because of the the nature of the fund itself, it's called a uh, low carbon transition. Yeah. So obviously, uh, an SME will need to to show that whatever project that they're doing has to have some measurable uh, impact where carbon emission is concerned. So this could mm. be a challenge because for many SMEs, they know, look, this particular machine is old, is is going to be polluting, it's going to emit a lot more carbon than necessary. But how do you measure that? So you end up calling for for a consultant to come in and do the measurement for you and the cost of that consultant um, could you know far outweigh whatever benefit you get from the um, for the low from the low interest. So you might sort of take a, a conventional um, loan 
uh, and do away with uh, applying through the LCTF. So we have been dialogued with Bank the Garage saying that, look, if you generally believe that in that, then you need to either finance the consulting part of it or you just have to relax the rules a little bit so that it's a lot easier for SMEs to go in. Uh, trust a little bit more, that's what I'm saying. So the first one was a standardized single framework. Second right. one is uh, ESG-related low-cost financing, right. maybe loosen up the criteria there. You had a third one as well? Yeah, correct. Uh, so we should not just use the, um, the so we have this carrot and stick approach. So we shouldn't just continue using the stick approach and say, look, you must comply, comply, and comply. So what we are trying to say that we need a framework or rather a some kind of mechanism where early adopters of ESG among SMEs are rewarded, uh, either perhaps uh, through some... Uh, uh, green lane or fast lane uh, for government procurement, for example. Uh, so you can say, okay, if you are ESG ready earlier than ahead of time, uh, we, we allow you to bid for certain projects by the government. Or we can come up with a national mark, and this is something that we are trying to cha- uh, champion here, a national mark to reward SMEs, uh, say in the F&B sector, to say that, look, these SMEs are ESG compliant. As a consumer, choose them, right? So we give them uh, more reason to be early adopters of ESG. Moving on from ESG, um, are there any other specific measures you'd like to see in place to support micro SMEs uh, in Malaysia who often have much more distinct needs compared to uh, SMEs? I, I never believe that we should um, um, give uh, micro SMEs and, and, and startups uh, uh, funds per se. If I'm if I'm if I'm very small and I'm just flipping burgers on the roadside, uh, why are you giving me more money? Mm-hmm. Right? If, if I do get them because you're telling me that look, it's easy to get and I get it straight away, do I have the capability to even repay them? Do I have the financial discipline, the know-how? Uh, how do I manage cash flow in order for me to repay those? Because if I can't, um, th- that record goes with me, that credit rating goes with me for the rest of my life, right? So are we doing the micro SMEs a favor by giving them direct grant? What we really need to do for the micro SMEs is to just make business easy for them. i give an example. Um, in, in, I won't say which city, in some major mm. city, I, I, I can be specific, <laughs> but let's not do that. Um, in order for you to apply for a simple business license as a uh, small uh, shop operator. You need to go through six different agencies. Well, wow. why do we need to do that, right? You, you need SSM to say that look, this company is properly established. You need Bomba to say that look, you're the, the the place that you're doing bus- uh, business in is safe and so on. But for typical SMEs, how do you find the resources to overcome to 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 go through that process in order to get a business license? So you get a lot of SMEs who basically operate either on a temporary license or not having a license at all. And then the government say, look, you know, if you don't have a license, I'm going to clamp down on you. So so where do we where do we begin? And do you think this kind of I guess the this kind of early stage regulatory friction plays a role in how the the lack of risk appetite to become an entrepreneur here in Malaysia? Do you think that factors in? I think the 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 real truth is uh, entrepreneurship is not for everyone, mm. and that's a message that the government need to basically uh, start uh, saying because over the past 10, 20 years. Uh, uh, the government thinks that entrepreneurship is a solution to yeah. an unemployment issue. So we have got um, entrepreneurship efforts uh, for for uh, students who couldn't get jobs. We have got entrepreneurship efforts for um, for second of offenders who who come out and say, look, you know, give them some uh, a second chance by becoming entrepreneurs. Uh, we have got um, retired um, soldiers, you know, and we try to train them and, and become entrepreneurs. Now, uh, the point here is that entrepreneurship is simply not for everyone. Right, uh, some of them are just better off uh, going to TVAT and getting a job and so on. To to wrap up this conversation, uh, we've got a few things here, in particular digitalization, tax cuts uh, for certain taxable income range, some of the ESG things as well, and um, measures. What what you think measures for micro SMEs should look should look like more of the 
reducing the friction on the regulatory side of things, especially early on. What other initiatives does Samantha hope to see the government introduce in the budget that we haven't covered today that could help address the pain points that are being felt by SMEs today? To, to me, as I've said earlier today, uh, the, ma- the biggest issue that we have today is not uh, the money or not, not even uh, regulatory burden, uh, burden. We can overcome that uh, sooner or later. Uh, it's really the, the problem that many SMEs are stuck in this uh, low margin, low value add um, uh, circle for way too long. I remember um, uh, 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 Dato' Rafida Aziz, uh, you know, the long, now Tan Sri, the long time uh, 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 trade minister, has been saying uh, 20 years ago, um, that SMEs absolutely have to move away from being just mere OEM, original equipment manufacturers, to building our own design and brand. Now, we spoke about it 20 years ago, and today we still have the same problem. Many SMEs are still stuck manufacturing things uh, for MNCs and uh, not developing their own branding and design. So, uh, so we have asked the government to really uh, allow the, uh, some form of a matching grant or low-interest loan for SMEs to go into uh, innovation, buying up technology, developing patterns, um, uh, redoing the packaging and so on. You have to go up the value chain because right. the OEM stuff is very commoditized and your margins can be eroded over time. And this is not the first time, as you mentioned, that we've talked about this when it comes to businesses or Malaysia for in general, right? The branding and marketing aspect of it is maybe undervalued here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why Singapore beats us to all sorts of marketing. Even uh, our food becomes Singaporean food with a little bit of branding and marketing. Mm-hmm. Um what do you think accounts for the lack of, I guess, initiative when it comes to branding and marketing uh, for Malaysian businesses? I think we must understand for a lot of SMEs, um, the founders may or may not be um, be experts in branding or marketing. Uh, some could be engineers, some could be accountants, some could have uh, uh, worked right after school, uh, and they just don't know what they need. Uh, not that they don't understand that packaging or, or branding is important, but they just don't know where to start. Uh, I've, I've been with many SMEs to overseas missions. Uh, we bring them over uh, to exhibitions. Uh, and, 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 and you know that um, uh, some of these uh, costs of exhibition can be uh, claimed back uh, uh, from the government through the various uh, programs that we have. But uh, to my horror, you know, m- very often I see that uh, when we bring our products over overseas, the products are just not up to par. Mm. You know, for example, recently we went to Taiwan and, 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 and the crop pot that was displayed, so, you know, how can you even sell that in, in Taiwan? Which is why we are saying that uh, we are hopeful that through the budget, the government can consider uh, if you've got a big sum right now, at least uh, to experiment with the idea of uh, giving a matching grant for, for certain SMEs to redo the packaging. I think, I think that would help to drive the idea to these SMEs to change their mindset that branding, marketing is important by first you know, going for the low-hanging fruit, in this case, uh, packaging. And this is something I had a conversation a few months back with the uh, the founder of Halal Street, which is sourcing uh, foods here from Malaysia and selling it in the UK. And in the middle, the value add is just the branding, the marketing and the redistribution to a different right. market. That makes does make a very big deal. So let's hope that we start to see more emphasis on this. But a lot of areas we've covered here. Adato, is there anything you'd like to say before we wrap up? No, I think uh, what is really crucial is for SMEs to understand that uh, no matter what the government does, at the end of the day, really, you know, you should take charge because it's your business. So we should really uh, move away from this mindset that, um, that the government um, is the only place where you can go to. Thank you so much, Dato, for your time today. 
Sure. Thank you very much. Folks, I've been speaking with Dr. William Ng, the National President for the Small and Medium Enterprises Association of Malaysia, more commonly known as Samantha. If you missed any part of this conversation, you can catch the podcast on our website at bfm.my or download the BFM app. You can also find our shows on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and other podcast players. Just look up Enterprise Biz Bites. Looking ahead, we've got the Breakfast Grill replay happening after the 1pm news bulletin. The Institute of Chartered Accountants in England and Wales is one of the largest accounting professional bodies in the UK with over 300,000 members worldwide. Its chief executive shares with us what's being done to ensure that the profession gets ahead of trends like AI, ESG and digital assets and whether its membership is losing appeal in a sea of accreditations. I'm Roshan Kennison. You've been listening to Enterprise Biz Bites here on BFM 89.9, the business station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.